Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Hey, welcome. I have an audio on directed energy weapons. It was done on the uh, the 29th. Or wait a minute, let me look at my date. It was done on the 6th of April, just the other day. Around the country, people just went, "Oh my God, have you heard that?" In the last couple of years, have you changed your thoughts? Have you picked up updates? What uh, what's going on? Uh, well, the uh, the important thing is uh, theory can get updated and changed and so forth, but evidence is a fact. It's always the same. For example, are the towers still there or are they gone? It's no, observable evidence. Right. You know, I, I was there once. I saw they were there. I went in, went in them. Now I, I go there and they're gone. So for me, I've observed that that is evidence that the tower is no longer there. That's not a theory. No, it's not a theory, but that's obvious. But the well, uh, so is the rest of the evidence. It's not a theory. <clears throat> it's if you look at the evidence, and that's what it takes if you, for a trained observer. Uh, you mentioned about my credentials and my background. That's what it's in. Forensic engineering. What was it, Judy, that when this first happened, this tragedy? that made you think of this kind of directed energy to take these buildings down? What did oh, you see? I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. I listened to the evidence and let the evidence tell me what happened. And what, what happened was the buildings didn't burn up, nor did they slam to the ground. The majority of them turned to dust in midair. Pulverized, basically. No, uh, turned to dust. Pulverized implies grinding. And vaporize implies high heat. Neither one of those apply. We don't have a word in our vocabulary for it, so I created a new word to describe it, dustification. Now, when we talk about directed energy, what kind of apparatus could do such a thing? I talk about the uh, destructive mechanism. The energy was instructed to do something differently than it normally does. Yeah, the, the binding forces in the matter, instead of being attracted to each other, they repel each other, the, the various atoms in the material. You know, we have a solid object in our hand because the, the atoms in there have, have bonded to each other. But if you can get them to reverse and to, to repel each other, the material comes apart. So we, we observe, and this is very important to observe, not to start out with an answer and work backwards. A, a forensic engineer starts out with the evidence and moves forward. And if you move forward in a scientific method, the answer that you come to will be irrefutable. But if you go the reverse way, you, you end up starting out with a theory and then cherry-picking data to su support your theory. And that's bias. That's that's what amateurs do. <clears throat> but a, you know, for example, what is a uh, uh, 
we are not topsy. Either it's, it's conclusive or it's inconclusive. Well, that's right. It's not a theory. All right, in, the, in this particular case, though, I'm curious, when, when we talk about some kind of directed energy to make the atoms and the molecules fall apart. Right. There's something instructed the, the binding forces in the material to repel each other. What was that something? I'm calling it, you know, whether it's instructed or, or directed, it's directed to do something differently than it normally does. I know, but what does that? Something. We don't have to jump to the answer, but what we do observe is that happened, and the material turned to dust in the air on the way down to the point that you don't have a thud hitting the ground. I mean, in your opinion, what kind of technology well, do you need again, to have? Again, it's, not, it's, it's nothing to do with opinion. It's observable evidence. Well, no, Judy, here's my point. These well, buildings the don't... Hold on, hold on, hold on. These, these the buildings don't... Judy, Judy, can you hear me? The material turned to dust in midair. But something Therefore, did that, right? That's right. There you go. What? But what did it? Therefore, that that proves that something exists that can do what was done because it happened. That's the proof. But my question is, what did it? Some some gizmo, <laughs> some some uh, some technology. That technology we know exists. How how far does this gizmo have to be from the buildings to do that? I can't answer that. I, I can only show you parallel evidence of how you can reproduce the same thing. <clears throat> but, again, it's important to come back and observe. Like I observed on that day, the buildings were turning into dust in midair. That was not a collapse. It was shown to virtually the whole world. But few people knew how to observe, because they were told it was a collapse, so they assumed that's what a collapse looks like. Without observing, the building's turning dust in midair. Therefore, something exists that can do what was done. So that's our proof that such a technology exists that can direct energy to do something differently than it normally does. Now the, the power of that, this is a big one. Oh, that's huge power. Huge. Yes. It can affect the binding forces of matter. Does this apparatus, that's what I'm going to call it for now, for lack okay, of a good, better word, good. does this apparatus have to be close or far from the buildings to do this, in your opinion? Uh, all I know is what it, you, know, you use this parallel that creates parallel evidence. And we can see this natural... Uh, phenomenon that does the same thing. It, it, it occurs in nature, so it's it's not a, a, a totally new phenomenon. It's just that people aren't used to observing it. <clears throat> think of think about it. Tornadoes. Now imagine if somebody weaponized a tornado or directed it. Right. If if, if the tornado does something with the energy in the material, and it, and it causes it to do something differently than it normally does, cause it to come apart. You've seen uh, weird uh, pictures after tornadoes gone through a neighborhood where the roof is off the, the house, but not a paper is out of place on you know, the bookshelf inside. That's not wind. Tesla was working on a device that might have had 
similarities to what you you think happened to these buildings? Yes, and he even offered to Congress uh, if they uh, put up towers every 200 miles around the perimeter of the U.S., he said he would install a little box on each that would create a, a kind of a force field through which any airplane that tried to pass would, quote, dematerialize. See, my little mind, Judy, thinks that you need some kind of technology, a gun, a weapon that beams this. Maybe it's on another building aimed at the Twin Towers. Not necessarily. Uh, if we look at what uh, John Hutchison does, that in all of um, uh, the evidence that he shows with, with his setup mimics the same piece of evidence. Levitation, dematerialization. So it could be done from afar. True, yes. And what how John Hutchison does it is creates a, a static field, and within that static field interferes various radio frequency signals. Now, now here's something that has always puzzled me. If the buildings were disintegrated with this kind of technology, what would have happened to the people in that building as well? I would have assumed that they would have disintegrated the same way. Uh, yes, that's why uh, pretty much in the number of, of what was referred to as jumpers, I call it people who left the building early. Yeah. I don't think they voluntarily jumped. Hold on, Judy. We're going to take this break. We'll be back with more on Coast to Coast AM. And we're going to take your phone calls next hour with Dr. Judy Wood. Where did the towers go? And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Dory with you along with Dr. Judy Wood. Judy, explain to us, if you can, the technology behind what it would take to really tear apart these atoms and molecules and create this powder of all these materials, brick, steel, everything else. Uh, I'm not into uh, speculation and theorizing. I look at the evidence, and what the evidence shows is that such a technology that can do what was done must exist. Well, what does it do? That's my that's my question. Oh, the, the, lots of different evidence that I've got on my website and in my book, and I go through it very carefully. Uh, the, the biggest uh, part is it's noticeable, if you look at the evidence, is that the majority of the building turns to dust in midair without hitting the ground, just encountering air on the way down. <clears throat> I know, but what is required to do that? That uh, I can provide parallel evidence, but I can't tell you what uh, you know the model number was that was used, who the operator was, and what the operator had for breakfast, uh, and so forth. That's not so important. I don't want. I don't want to know that. I just want to okay. know what technology was required in order to do this horrible thing. Well, I can tell you what evidence it produces. Magnetic electrogravitic nuclear reactions. Okay, now explain that to a layman. Uh, magnetic, uh, electricity, and magnetism. They're really uh, all different sides of the same coin. They're all interrelated. And uh, pretty powerful stuff. I think uh, most folks remember in, in Cub Scouts or, or Girl Scouts, winding uh, a wire around a nail, plug it in a 9-volt battery, and voila, the nail becomes a magnet. And we, can, and we can also do the reverse. 
So we know that electricity and magnetism are interrelated, and that's actually how electric, uh, hydroelectric power plants run, like what Tesla created at um, Niagara Falls. How directional did this have to be to do this, to get these towers, and maybe Building 7 too? I, it, it appears it's an interference process because of the abrupt boundaries. Uh, if it takes, you know, like what John Hutchison uses, is a static field, and within that interferes a radio frequency signal. Uh, there was a, a large static field in the area, just happened to be that day. I don't know if it was used, but it was there. Um, that is provided by Hurricane Aaron. Is a, you know how you have an electrical field ahead of a large storm system. Right. And there was dry thunder at the three major airports. LaGuardia, Newark, and JFK airports all reported thunder that day on 9-11. And the, the hurricane was just off the end of, of Long Island. Remember, it doesn't have to be over Manhattan. The outer bounds of the, the static field extend way out. Well, now, that's an interesting take, too. Does this have to happen from above, or can it be done on the side from a distance? How does it have to be directed? And, uh, again, I look at what John Hutchison's work is. It creates a static field that's in the environment all around, and within that, it interferes radio frequency signals. An example of that that most people are familiar with is the cell phone. Having a cell phone or working a cell phone doesn't get you a conversation. You have to be in the service area. That's right. In the reach of a cell phone tower. And most people, and I'm guessing you're one of them, when you make a cell phone call, do you know which tower you're connected I to? I have no idea, Judy. Right. You're just within the field. So if you have a static field that's like the reach of a cell phone tower, imagine that, and then you need something else to interfere with it, to connect with it. Now, right before the break, we were talking about what would happen to some of the people in the building, sadly, and we saw this desperation where, uh, you know, they, they, we, as you said, they called them the jumpers. What happened to them? Did they, did they, they ever find them? Jump. They didn't necessarily jump. There's uh, approximately um, uh, 1,200 people that, that left the building early out the windows, and there was another uh, 343 firefighters and first responders. Right. That brings the total up to about 1,543. There was only approximately 1,600, just shy of 1,600, and after several years, they identified some more DNA of, you know, bodies or DNA that was identified. So it appears that all that was identified was what left the building before the, the, the total destruction of the building. And those who remained inside the building, there wasn't even a trace of DNA of them. Now, some of the uh, metal girders were still around because they piled them up and shipped them out pretty darn fast. Um, not necessarily. That's what, that's what uh, people were told. But then you look at, you know, by noon, were they, all, were they shipped out before noon on that day? Because there's, there's essentially nothing left. It's not nothing, but there's very little debris left. Is it dustified? Have you have you put together now your conclusions, even a couple of years after the book's been out, of motivation? Why this happened? Uh, no, um, 
but I have actually seen for the first time a possibility of that. Again, okay, that's that's stepping into a different realm of speculation, but you just look at the pattern of, of what goes on. And also how easy it is to run cover ups. This has been covered up so so carefully. And you look at the way I get marginalized and whatever I say gets distorted pretty much. Do you still get attacked? Oh, very, <clears throat> tremendously. But I'm used to it. Those are, you know, people who don't think through things or understand what, you know, like someone says my book is all hogwash, but they haven't read it. What does that tell you about? Exactly. exactly. Uh, and that's, that's basically what it is. I think it's, it becomes a hobby for a lot of people. But why don't they care about the world around them? That, that's the scary part. Um, <clears throat> but if you look at what the effects were, looking back, and you remember the first time I was on your show, um, I, I gave you a, a speculative story, and it seems to be getting more true, which is um, if you, you know, a group of five people who want to destroy or take over the U.S., you don't go in the front door because the U.S. military would come get you. That's right. So you poof the towers and you get a truth movement or something going on within and get everybody to hate their government. Hate their government so badly they want any government but, but the one they have. Then you walk in the front door and they welcome you with open arms. They almost beg you to come in. Yep. Now think about it since I was on your show first, um, how that is, is coming true. Well, and nothing's more indicative than what's going on right now with the elections. Yes, yes. And also, if you look back at what people were trained to believe on that day, what what messages subliminally were inserted into everyone's mind when they're in this traumatic, stressed-out state? <clears throat> Total destruction of the buildings, Muslims. Planes. Yep. Muslims equal total destruction. Hmm. And, and, look what, and look what's going on now. Right. It's as though people have been conditioned for that. If, and, if, we, if somebody has this technology available, why don't they continue to use it, uh, you know, to over to topple other governments? It would, it would seem to be easy to do that. Well, it depends on what their objective is. Uh, and I won't speculate on, on, you know, totally on their objectives, but looking at this pattern, now we've been, you know, ramped up into worrying about a, a new kidding us. Yeah, and, well, that might happen. And if there's total destruction of a city, people would easily believe that Nuke did it. Yes, that's true. Bingo. That is true. Junior, no, no, think about that. Think about that. It could easily be this technology, but people would be led to believe it was a nuke. Well, without the mushroom cloud, I guess, right? Well, there was a whole lot of dust that went up. It sure looked like a mushroom cloud for a lot of people. Well, there was a lot of dust during that situation, that's for sure. So it could be easily sold as a nuke. Well, tell me about Dr. Judy Wood before this tragedy occurred, before you wrote the book, before you came up with your thoughts about it. What, what were you doing? Before 9-11 occurred, what, what were you doing in, in your career, in your life? Oh, I was a professor and uh, teaching graduate classes, undergraduate classes, and lab classes um, in uh, forensic engineering and experimental mechanics. Did you ever think 
that you would be entering this kind of field, investigating what you've investigated? Well, not totally, uh, but I go wherever, you know, I just want to find out what happened about the world around me. I, you know, I would think more people would be curious about the world around them. Uh, like what happened um, on uh, February 1st, 2003, when the space shuttle, Columbia, came apart. Yeah. I figured out just what happened within a few minutes. And I told my students on Monday, and they said, oh, you know, you know that couldn't be because the, the, the towers come off all the time. I said, well, maybe it hits the runway, but they, those are brake pads. You know, the, the things, those brake pads are smoking when it's coming down through the atmosphere. Sure. And so it needs that protection. And I said, wait a minute, you guys just just uh, studied thermal uh, expansion. We're having a test on Thursday. Hmm, I bet you guys can even figure this out. I'll put it on the test. And I did. And I, it, it, the temperature that came out to, I asked what the lowest temperature was where you get your first failure. It was spot on when the report came out six months later. Well, are you saying that the, the space shuttle Columbia was taken down? No, no, the thermal expansion issue. Oh, okay. It's a small amount of temperature change. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. And uh, these students, I'm so proud of them, they were able to calculate it. And I said, so now you'll know when the report comes out that you're right. <laughs> and that was that was the grandest fun. Uh, the students um, fondly referred to me as uh, the disaster queen. Because I would like to study what happened. Because that's what engineers do. They, you know, how do you make something better to keep it from failing next time? Well, to, to have an electromagnetic piece of technology... Uh, to cause the kind of, let's call it dustification, of the, as you've called it, of these buildings. I mean, would it have to be the size of a tank? How how big do you think this apparatus was or is? Well, for example, uh, how big was Hurricane Aaron? Big. 500 miles across? Big. It, it depends on what you're talking about, is where something came from, and, and uh, figuring out the serial numbers and all that doesn't get you anywhere. It, it doesn't answer the question, but what happened answers the question. It's kind of like the autopsy, rather than you know speculating on a whole lot of things. Just do an autopsy and see what the answer is, and then you know what it is that you know that you know that you know, and know that everything else you don't know. I mean, could it have been as small as a crate, a small box somewhere, and they I don't just know. turned it, it on? It's a whatever signal it is. Yeah, how big is a tornado? Well, tornadoes are big, Judy. Some are small. Well, I don't know how small they are, but some I know are they're big. big. Some are small. Some are, uh, you know, just a few feet We also hear these historical claims about the power but it, it depends more on what the mechanics are, what's going on in the, in the system. And, uh, for example, what John Hutchison did, he was bending uh, two-and-a-half-inch diameter molybdenum, solid molybdenum pieces, like look like a corkscrew. Or solid pieces of copper. They get other things that would come apart, or get material that would just melt into itself, or into something else. Like he has a piece of wood embedded in aluminum. If you melted that aluminum hot enough to flow over the wood, it would burn up the wood. So that right there shows that there's uh, there's something else going on. It's not just heat. Folks like Richard Gage and the architects who have their own theories of what happened to the building, what well, are they, they have, thinking? They, they have theories. Uh, they haven't done the first step. 
the first step in any forensic uh, analysis is to determine what happened. Mm -hmm. If you start with how, then you go cherry-picking something, and you have ideas, and you don't get anywhere. It's like, let's not look at an autopsy, let's speculate on, on what happened. So you go into court, you say, Your Honor, uh, I don't know how the, the victim died, but this guy over here is the one who did it. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, saying it's an inside job, it's the same kind of thing. <clears throat> but getting back to the, the December materials piecing together, there was a wonderful piece of evidence at the 9-11 Museum that was uh, ended up on, on TV, and people didn't realize what they were looking at. It was, um, they, they called it the Bible, but I think it was, uh, I call it the Bible artifacts, I think it was a concordance or something like that. But it looked like a Bible, and it had metal fused to it in a beam and, and formerly uh, molten metal rolling down over the page. The page wasn't burned up. And it should have been. Yes. Under, under a normal fire if, burn. Yeah. If it was hot. If it was hot. So this shows it was liquid without being hot. And the, the Pope uh, came over and looked at it and bowed down, and he moved on. I was curious what he thought of it. it. Now, this technology, like Tesla, is it grabbing the kind of uh, field out of the atmosphere to do what has to be done? Well, it depends on what you call in the atmosphere, you know, the, the static field in the environment. Uh, and there's something that I am really concerned about, which is, you know, with smart meters and cell phone towers yeah. and radio frequency signals, you get in the Midwest, you get normal storm systems that move through. Right. They create a static field. And then you have radio frequency signals between them. We know in a controlled environment, like what John Hutchison can show, is what that does. And so there's interaction between these things. Yeah, I'd like to see the environmental impact statement. Are you under constant bombardment because of your work? Um, bombardment of what sort? Well, I mean, has it been difficult for you, or are, you know, organizations coming at you like crazy? Uh, a lot of people email me to, um, oh, uh, let's see, I, I never read a book in my life, but I know you're wrong. Or I know, I know you're right, and I have some, some top-secret information to give you. You know, just people like that, there's a lot of those. I, the ones who really know something, um, you know, do you think that 9-11, uh, those who planned it didn't plan a cover-up? I think that those involved in 9-11 planned everything, all right. the way down to their escape mechanism for themselves. Do you think uh, those who planned the cover-up uh, didn't think people would be asking questions? Oh, they knew that would happen. But they right. also probably hoped it would just go right over and they'd believe anything. Well, if uh, there's a few, you know, bright people who start asking questions, they look for other like-minded individuals. So if you establish an organization, you know, build it and they will come. So you collect them, and you keep them occupied so you don't uh, go anywhere cause any problems. Would you like to see this technolo technology up front and personal? Oh, I have. I've seen it on a small scale. Are there scientists out there right now by name that we know who have helped contribute to making this? Oh, 
there are various folks who know that they have this technology, and various ones are, are um, involved in the cover-up in various ways. All right, Judy, we're already through the first hour, but we're going to come back and take calls next on Coast to Coast AM. Well, with Dr. Judy Wood, let me tell you something. She's got the credentials, professor of mechanical engineering, structural mechanics. She's had uh, stress analysis uh, expertise as well. And we're talking about her work, Where Did the Towers Go? We'll get your thoughts, too, in a moment with your calls on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Dr. Judy Wood with us. We're going to get your calls in just a second. Directed Energy Technology has been around for a long, long time. I would guess, Judy, the people who could harness this could do just about anything they want, can't they? Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, as well as uh, psychologically. As it is, just look at how many people saw what happened that day and how many recognized what they saw. That's something that we all need to think about, how easy it is to fool people. Do you think the planes hitting the building were merely diversions? As I say, the, you know, the majority of the buildings turn to dust in midair. Yeah. Airplanes can't do that. Real airplanes can't do that, and neither can fake airplanes. So the airplane issue is irrelevant, except to get people to argue with the planes, no planes, planes, no They go round, round, round in circles, and they forget to look at... I started Hale Pet Door in 1985 in Phoenix. I had a glass company at that time, and I had a friend that told me to put a pet door in the glass, so that's what I did. And uh, What happened to the building? I don't know how long it would take to create the kind of destruction that was created. Uh, if you were, let's say if you're bombarding these buildings or creating the, the environment to take everything apart, how long would you? How long do you think it would have to be? This is just a guess, I'm sure, on your part. But would it be? Would it be going on for a week, a day, a few minutes? Oh, I don't guess. I look at the evidence, and the evidence shows just how long it went on. It began with the uh, airplane-shaped holes in the building, and people were leaving the building, and they, several of them have discussed strange things going on, like the building turning into dust internally before they got out so it was, the building was being kind of taken apart for the hour or whatever beforehand it was slightly less than an hour in one building and an hour and a half on the other building there has always been questions judy about building seven which was not hit by a plane uh that some degree may have knocked it over or or you know fell into it but what would take a building like that down, too? So was this involved as well? Yes, and there's really good evidence on it. I sent uh, somebody on your team a video link. Yes. And it shows the building, uh, you know, regular controlled demolition, and then it shows Building 7 going away. And there's uh, emergency medical workers being interviewed with the tower right behind her, you know, Building 7 right behind her, and she's talking like Barbara Crowley is her name, and she's talking away and then until she sees people in front of her who are facing the building gasp 
And they're going, whoa, 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 what's going on? You know, she had no idea that the building just dropped behind her. No inkling whatsoever. I, I remember that. It was horrendous. It, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It was bizarre. There's no bang, 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 bang. You get in a controlled demolition. It was a whisper, quiet descent, and that even was discussed in the NIST report. That it was uh, it made virtually no sound. And let me read uh, from my book a, a testimony of one of the first responders about some of the buildings. Uh, this is Michael Ober. He says, "I don't remember the sound of the building hitting the ground." Somebody told me that it was measured on the Richter scale. I don't know how true that is. If the building's hitting the ground that hard, how do I not remember the sound of it? And he was right there. You know, a lot of people say, no, building, building seven is you know, it gone. Because there's very little mass left to come down. So what was measured on the Richter scale was only a surface wave. No S wave or P waves. Those travel through the earth. Like if you hit a tuning fork, if you hit a hammer or a rock, that has a pulse wave as well as a shear wave that travels through the earth. If you get up off your mattress in the morning, it recovers. That's a surface wave. And there was only surface waves measured that day. What does that tell you? And, and for building seven, that's how they calculate the equivalent on the Richter scale. They, they uh, said it was the equivalent of a 0.6. That's like a jackhammer. I wonder why people couldn't hear it. The, the building was really turning to dust all afternoon. You saw all this material just pouring out of one face and one face only from uh, ground to roof for most of the day until near the end that it started coming out of one other side. What does HARP, if anything, have to do with this? Uh, HARP, I, I uh, jokingly refer to as high amplitude advancement of rural propaganda. Because people throw out that term and they don't know what it means. If you know what it means, uh, you're, you're violating your uh, security clearance. By, by saying anything about it. Most people who refer to it, it, it's just a term that they know and they throw around. They don't really know what it does. There's certain things that people say that it does, but it's, I look more at what the evidence is rather than theories. <clears throat> and uh, the evidence is of magnetic electrogravitic nuclear reactions. Nuclear reactions are caused. They're not, it's not like a nuke bomb, but small uh, kind of nuclear reactions like what you see in cold fusion. It produces tritium well above background levels, but nowhere near what you would get in hot fission. And so it's, it's definitely something strange that went on there, a different kind of technology. Sure is. Let's take some calls here for you, Judy. Let's go to Norm in St. Louis. Norm, you're back. Welcome. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm a regular. Yes, you are. We got you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm connected through social media with uh, Israel, the various Israeli whatever entities like Prime Minister Netanyahu mm -hmm. and the IDF. Okay, so a couple of years ago after this happened, I've I seen a video on YouTube. You can go to it. I, I don't know how you I forget how I got to the site, but they basically built a type of a racquetball wall that was maybe uh, 40 foot tall, 40 foot long or whatever. And pretty thick, like 10 foot thick, with re reinforced with steel. And they shot a cannon. And at first, from the straight on angle, you don't really see it 
two well or whatever. It was maybe a couple hundred yards away. And then as they show it from different angles and sides, it's shooting some sort of a pulse. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what, but it, you can you can visually see it coming in, and it actually slows down in super slow motion, and it goes through the wall. And as it goes through the wall, the wall collapses down and catches on fire, and there's basically nothing there, just like what happened at 9-11 where, you know, the, the, everything fell down, but stuff disappeared or whatever. And on the 9-11 thing, I've understood that there was Israeli uh, bands that were pulling up after hours and when <laughs> they weren't supposed to be there and things of this nature, and that the person who... Uh, owned the Twin Towers was a, you know, a Jewish businessman who just happened to take out a, an insurance policy a couple of weeks before yeah, they went well, down. Well, he, he's, he's, he's the one who said pull it for terrorists, for ter- and including terrorist acts. <laughs> just, it's interesting how there's so many things like the pull it statement that get repeated without people stopping to think about it. Uh, you tell the fire department to pull it. Well, they're not in the controlled demolition business. That's right. They don't go around with sticks of dynamite in their back pocket to you know, check yeah. in there. And what does pull it mean to you, Judy? To me, it sounds like pull it down. Well, we don't know what the context of what he was saying was. And it seemed like it was edited down to something to mislead people into imagining something else. But that was recorded like a, a year later. Uh, the story for um, the... Uh, ABS video America Rebuilds the portion from that but if you look at it you, you know, why, why would you have uh, somebody telling the fire department to, to pull it they, you know, in, in terms of controlled demolition the firefighters wouldn't know how to size up what was going to happen what was already destroyed and what wasn't as to where you would put the dynamite you need to be able to evaluate the building first <clears throat> you don't just you know toss in sticks of dynamite random uh like you do in a video game it's it's a whole lot more involved than that and there's a lot of other statements that are made often like oh we got to investigate each elevator because they did an elevator upgrade all of these these statements are just um, implications on emotions. They don't involve what happened to the buildings. You first have to start out with what happened, because it's so tempting to go with, oh, you know, Your Honor, that, I don't know why, you know, how the victim died, but I know that guy did it. Mm-hmm. It, it came to that scenario. So, it, but once you look at what happened, the rest falls out. Would you say, Judy, that those investigators who understand science, uh, like you, uh, went through that rubble, looked at this dust, and probably came to the same conclusions you did, but haven't said anything about it? Uh, not only that, the, the contractors on the NIST report, that's the National Institute of Standards and Technology, they were uh, trying to... They were mandated by Congress to determine why and how the towers collapsed. They didn't. They had their contractors uh, make a model of, you know, a hypothetical scenario. Next up, let's go to Kathy in Idaho. Welcome to the program. Kathy, you're on with Dr. Judy Wood. Oh, hi. Hi, George. Hi, Dr. Judy Wood. Hi, Kathy. I have waited so long for you to be on the air. 
When you were first on the air with George years ago, I found your book on the Internet, and a friend of mine and I went in on it together because <laughs> I couldn't afford it. And, you know, I consider myself to be a literate layman and, or laywoman, whatever, and I'm not a scientific person, Dr. Judy, but I, I understand the English language. And when I read your book and saw the pictures, the meticulous um, scientific approach that you took in your book, I was just blown away. And, you know, my world was not the same. It was uh, your book created such a wave in my own life commensurate with the original wave of the 9-11 experience that we all, the trauma that we all went through. When I read your book, I knew that what you're talking about, even though I'm not a scientist, I knew that what you are saying is, is true. You were looking at the forensic in, uh, evidence. You were looking at what happened, how did it happen. You weren't looking at the who and the why. And I really respect everything that you have done and your courage uh, that it takes to step out and um, not only say the things that you did, but my gosh, you took that lawsuit <laughs> against NIST <laughs> way high. I mean, okay, I'm, 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 in awe. I'm in awe of all the things that you've done, and I thank oh. you from the American people. I thank you for the work that you've done, Dr. Judy Wood, because I know that your work is going to be validated in time by a majority. It may not be right now because of whatever, whatever, but too much of what you have said has absolutely come true as the fallout from all of this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for what well, you have done. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's, it's wonderful to know people like you. Uh, I, I was beginning to worry that, that people read books are becoming few and far between. And that's part of the problem these days is, you know, with the Internet, people just look for a quick fix, a quick, you know, what's the statement? What's They, they don't sit and contemplate. And that's why I have the book in printed form, because you sit on your sofa, you read a paragraph, and you look out in the space and you contemplate on what you've just read. What are the implications of it? And it's scary. Well, it is scary, and it's sad, too, at the same time, Judy. And, you know, you don't really want to believe this. That's the other issue that I think you have to face and so many other people who come to their own conclusions. Nobody but, wants to believe this, do they? But there's a, there's a good side of this, that the, the technology that was used on that day is undeniable. Some think they can do what was done. But that technology does not need to be used for evil. It can be used for good. It can provide free, clean energy to the world. Think about that. That's what the, the subtitle of my book means, Evidence of Directed Free Energy Technology on 9-11. It show, I'm trying to express the silver lining in this horrible, awful gray cloud. It's kind of like uh, when Hiroshima was bombed. Oh, it wasn't a nuclear power plant that bombed Hiroshima. No, sadly it, it wasn't. It was evidence of a technology that could be used to provide energy. 
Let's go to Mike in Montreal. Michael, you're up with us. Go ahead. Hi, good evening, George. Uh, I totally agree with Dr. Wood on the, the technology that was used to bring the towers down, although she hasn't been able, it seems, to give you a, an explanation on how it actually works. <laughs> uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s, I was working with a scientist named Millie Winfield. Uh, Mel, it's the Mel Winfield, and he used uh, John Hutchison's work. Uh, well, there's, no matter how how hard you squish a pancake, it still has two sides. Uh, Mel Winfield claims that John John Hutchison is using his work. Okay, but it's still the same phenomenon. Same work. It's the same stuff. Same work. Yeah. Same phenomenon that I was describing. Right. It really goes back to Tesla, if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty. What is actually happening here is there's a strong nuclear force, there's a weak force, and electrogravitation. You have three forces that hold an atom together. And using scalar waves, and you can basically release that strong, the weak nuclear and weak nuclear force, release the bonds that hold that molecule together, and it will basically just fly apart into nothingness. That's what brought those buildings down: scalar waves that release the nuclear bond, nuclear bonds between the atoms. It's very effective. I've taken a copper bar, it's rather a steel bar, and placed it into a field being generated by one of these field generators, and the end of it opened up until it was as soft as a kitten's tail, just all loose, loose, loose fibers instead of a solid steel bar anymore because it had released all the bonds at the end of that thing. So it could be used destructively, it can be used positively, it can be used for free energy. In that particular day, it was used probably by a satellite to bring down those towers, and I'm sure that's what happened. Well, a lot of, there's a lot of speculation. I, I choose to stay away from speculation. It's kind of like, uh, do you speculate what the autopsy says, or do you do an autopsy? And you know, instead of performing autopsy, a lot of people like to to speculate and hypothesize and theorize and whatnot. But I think what is important, and I I love that call from Kathy, who said even though she doesn't have a scientific background, she understood the book, because that's the way I presented it as you know direct evidence and parallel evidence. And yes, there's a, a quite a bit on Tesla in the book as well as uh, cold fusion, uh, looking at phenomena. Not uh, uh, Gizmo, you know, from the, the Acme Weapons Store, aisle 17 on the right. I, I'm looking at what happened to the material, what happened to the building. All right, we're going to come back with final questions for you, Judy, in just a moment on Coast to Coast AM. Well, next hour, open lines here on Coast to Coast AM, so get ready for that. But we're going to come back in a moment with final questions with Dr. Judy Wood as we talk about her work. Where did the towers go? Okay, welcome back. Dr. Judy Wood with us. Judy, the reports on 9-11, many people have said have failed to deliver the information that was necessary to tell folks who, what, why, when, and where. Your thoughts on just how that investigation went, I assume, was poor at best on their part? 
Uh, yes, uh, that's why I confronted them. I, I uh, sent them a request for correction, and they uh, didn't make the corrections, of course, and so that's why I, I filed a, a federal KTAM case to, for accountability of the contractors. At least you can't sue a government agency, but you can sue the co contractors for fraud because that's our tax dollars at work. <clears throat> and they were mandated by Congress to determine why and how the towers collapsed, but they didn't determine that. They uh, have created a, a hypothetical scenario. And uh, some of these contractors were from companies that were manufacturers and uh, uh, researchers of directed energy weapons. Isn't that interesting? If these are, sure is. If these towers went down the way you say, mm -hmm. what does that tell you about what's happening on this planet? Well, it just means that the technology exists that people are, uh, you know, holding their hands over their eyes and not looking at. Abusing? Uh, well, yeah, it, it's uh, used for evil purposes, but it could be used for good purposes. And so, many people are uh, really concerned with determining, you know, who did it? Where's the, where's the, the weapon? What is the weapon? Uh, determining those things does not stop this from happening again. You know, okay, you get the guy who pushed the button, uh, there's 10 more in line ready to do it. So yeah, uh, the technology true. exists. That's, that's the important thing here. And the more people recognize that, the safer we are. Well, I always, uh, you know, have wonderment when you hear stories of, we took out the head of the eastern block of ISIS. And that person's replaced that moment with somebody else. Exactly, exactly. And knowing that this technology exists, for example, if a, a city gets dustified again, if people say, oh, it must have been a nuke, you know, it, it, it's going to continue on and on and on. If you know this technology exists, you say, well, let's use it for free energy. Oh, that'll never happen, Judy. You know that. I wish right. it would. Right, but, but it, the best way to get back at the people who did this is to say, ah, now we know it exists. Yeah. Let's research it. Yeah, isn't that the best way? You had mentioned some of the cell towers. Is it conceivable that with this kind of technology, they tap into those towers as well to focal and pinpoint the energy? Well, cell phone towers, we just know, you know, this, we don't even need to speculate. Cell phone towers and, you know, the uh, radio towers transmit radio frequency signals. And all you need to do, as we've seen from John Hutchison's work, is interfere in a static field, which you get from storm systems. And do you remember in, uh, I think it was summer of 2008, we started having these horrendous tornadoes? You know, like yeah, oh, yeah, everywhere. Every, every year since then. Tornado Alley in the Midwest here. Yeah, it really cranked up. You know, much worse than it had been. It's always tornadoes, but they became mega tornadoes. What happened that summer that made it different? Remember, February 2009 was a switchover date for digital television. So they were putting in brand new radio frequency transmission towers that summer. Interesting. And you normally get those storm systems moving to the Midwest. Now you have cleaner, you know, more uh, direct radio frequency signals transmitted through them. You're fixing a mess up, even if it's unintended consequences. 
You probably remember that incident where the birds fell out of the sky? Yeah, 2,000 of them. Yep, that was, right, I, I checked the, the radar, the weather radar right after that, and the, the weather system had just moved through. Huh. So, it, you know, this is unintended consequences, perhaps, but it could easily be intended consequences. It could, it could move to that very easily. We have, it, but just think about all of this um, uh, wireless. Oh, my gosh, it's everywhere. It's and everywhere. Uh, smart meters. Yeah, they put one on the back of my place. What are you? Here we go. Let's take some final calls here for you, Judy. Hey, by the way, I got an email from someone who said that I was roughing you up. I'm not roughing you up, am I? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. No, you can handle it. Yeah. Let's go to Michael in Virginia. Michael, go ahead. You're up with us. Uh, thank you, George, and thank you, uh, Dr. Wood. Uh it, it looks like you're you're talking about a great national security issue, but you're also talking about the silver lining, and I'm appreciative of what you just said. It may have been unintended consequences. Now, George will verify that I've called this program over several years talking about a documentary film on great engineering disasters of the past, which included the Twin Towers, the 1980 storm that almost took down the towers. Now, here's my question, one for you and one for George. We are going to a brokered convention in the Republican Party. <laughs> I predicted that, Michael, months ago. I said before that George Norris will be asked to serve <laughs> as vice president. Now, here's my question to Dr. Judy. The vice president is in charge of these matters. No man in America has shown himself to be more courageous in pursuing these questions than George Norrie. Now, you know the former governor of Virginia who has run for president uh, in this term, in, in this cycle. Gilmore? He is the highest security, uh, national security expert on the campaign trail. If George Norrie becomes vice president, would you accept his appointment to solve this, well, I'll call it a conundrum right now, because, like you said, it could have been unintended consequences. We're going to need the technology that will stop it from happening, happening accidentally, as it almost did in 1980, and we can save this great republic. And, George, will you accept the nomination? <laughs> Let's see what happens, Michael. <laughs> There's this. How about that for a political answer? Oh, that sounds great. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. Well, there's a lot of work out there. This is a great country. Always has been. Um, my father uh, did all he can to make it great, and everybody else should, too. And it's kind of frustrating, Judy, to see things that if, if, Things happen the way you you have concluded. It's sad. 
at the same time. Were the towers still there? Yeah. <laughs> it would have been nice. All those people. They went away. And I, I feel that, uh, you know, I, I kind of made a promise to those people that I would tell their story. I would tell what happened. Under incredible stress in terms of people truly coming at you. I mean, I mean, the, the emailer in the, uh, earlier thought I was coming at you too hard in the beginning. No, I was just trying to get some answers about this kind of technology. But I would guess they really come at you. Oh yeah, because yeah, they don't under, either. They don't want to understand, and they, you know, have have their own agenda, or they don't have the ability to understand. And that is the scary part. We have so much information available to us now that people don't realize they need to be able to think to be able to discern. And you know, there's, there's plenty of of. Uh, uh, rumors available, like for example, you know, what's a scalar weapon, or what's a you mm -hmm. know, all sorts of I, I call it name dropping trendy terms. This kind of technology, if used that way, could they also use it in tanks and in rifles, almost like almost like you would use a laser weapon? Could they use this same kind of bombardment? You just point it at a person and poof, they polarize. Well, as I said earlier in the, in the program, uh, you, you've heard of tornadoes. Do you think they haven't weaponized a tornado? Well, there's been some talk that maybe they have. Right? Would they, would they do that and print it out in the front page of the New York Times? <laughs> no. The directions? We'd have to talk about it on a program like this. Right. But you think about what a tornado does. You know, and, and you look at the World Trade Center, and that's, as a matter of fact, some of them, uh, the first responders described it like a tornado coming. You know, just a constant roar. They felt that, yeah. Yeah, and, and tornadoes pick people up and move them places. And people were picked up. First responders talked about being picked up and carried a block. When you, do you, do you uh, go on speaking engagements or events? Uh, you do not want me. Okay. All right, so when no, you... I do, I do. When you're there speaking, what kind of reception do you get? Very good. Good. Oh, it, it feels so good. You feel the warmth of the people in the room. And also, it, it works two ways. It, for them, it's, it's a struggle because it's a painful realization. But we're amongst friends, so to speak. It, there, no one's alone. And so being able to talk about it with others and just the important thing to remember in this is to look at the evidence. The evidence will tell you what happened. If you start theorizing, then you end up ignoring various pieces of evidence. And then you don't know what happened. The evidence will tell you what happened. It's kind of like an a, uh, autopsy. Either it's conclusive or it's not. And you know what it is that you know that you know. That you know. If the, building, the buildings came down from controlled demolition, as some people have theorized, it wouldn't powderize that much, would it? I may well, have created a new word here. It wouldn't uh, dustify in the middle of the of the air. You, you would have uh, seismic signals that would reflect it, and that didn't happen. You'd have chunks in the ground, and you'd have a whole lot of evidence that didn't occur. Um, more more than that, you'd have some very good witnesses of this that were on the second, third, and fourth floor of the North Tower yeah. in Stairway B. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, maybe all the debris got stuffed into the basement. Well, how did it get to the basement and not squash those people? 
go up Church Street and make a left on, on uh, uh, V.C. Street and then take the ramp down into the basement? <laughs> now, how did the debris get from above down to the basement without squashing these people? You know, so it, that didn't happen. What they did is look up and see blue sky. How did a hijacker's pristine passport get found in the dust? Well, that's uh, hearsay. That you know, that's, you know, you uh, trickle out, you know, hints of this and that. I see it's like uh, a magic show where the magician appears to cut a woman in half as in a wooden box. Yeah. Well, nobody files uh, murder charges against him because the woman appears at the end. And seeing the, the, the woman hole at the end is another piece of data that shows you your... Your assumption earlier is incorrect. That's okay, a great illusion. John in Springfield, Missouri, you're up with Judy Wood. Go ahead, John. Yes, sir. It's like enjoy your show. Uh, great bit. Thank you. Uh, just quoting, yeah, just to uh, quote a line from Sin City uh, from Mayor Warwick. Once you get people believing things that they know are not true, you've got them by the hand. That's actually not the word hand. Is not what he actually used. But uh, I think most people know at 9-11, uh, what happened was it obviously uh, was not due to planes crashing into it. I went to an engineering school, and most people that I know of, the majority of them, do not believe that the planes caused the, uh, the buildings to fall. Those planes are supposedly civilian planes that look like military carriers that are slate gray. But besides that, I was wondering, do you think possibly thorium instead of like a uranium-based explosion, it could have been used to take the buildings down. So thorium has no trace. There's lots up of it in the United States. And it can also be, it's like supposedly it can be weaponized. I'm just going to get off the line. What do you think happened with the thorium? Did it make a bomb that goes boom? No. I'm just going to get off the line. Okay, John. Yeah, he's gone on it, Judy, but go ahead. Okay, what, what's important to realize is, you know, first, what happened? What was the mechanism of destruction? What caused the building to come apart? Was it thermal energy? Was it kinetic energy? Or was it something else? We can eliminate thermal energy because you have all this unburned paper around that people in the building weren't cooked to death. There was no high heat. The trees around didn't burn up. Uh, was it kinetic energy, like a bomb or a hammer or lots of mini hammers, you know, something hitting something hard? Uh, or a gravity collapse, it would be kinetic energy. What about thermite? Wasn't there thermite uh, residue out there? Uh, what thermite is, is uh, uh, powdered aluminum and iron oxide. What was the building made out of? Aluminum cladding on it. Was, it was aluminum and steel, yeah. And, and it was turned to dust. So where are we going to find the dust? You're going to find aluminum. Aluminum powder, and you're going to find uh, iron oxide, because still the iron will rust immediately. Anyway. Well, i got to ask you one day about chemtrails, but not tonight. Let's go to Brett in Iowa, first-time caller. Let's squeeze you in here, Brett. Go ahead. All right. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I just sure wanted to say uh, I went to uh, a mechanic school and all this other stuff, and I... Uh, did a lot of research about jet fuel and how hot it burns and if it would actually burn fuel mm -hmm. because uh, I had a lot of questions about 9-11. I was only like 14 when it happened. Uh, during the military when I was 18 because I, like a lot of people, I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just went along with what everybody said. Sure, exactly. And uh, I served two tours overseas, and when I came back, I decided that I was time to wake up. I wasn't going to be a sheep anymore, and I did a lot of research about uh, 
But uh, jet fuels and uh, were you shocked with what you finally learned, Brett? Yeah, yeah, I was. I didn't think that. Uh, I didn't think that uh, our government, I guess, or or somebody or, or something. So, yeah, or something um, could do something like that to somebody else because I was still I was only like 23 by the time I got out, and uh, and then I seen a lot of death. I've dealt with a lot of stuff, but. <clears throat> I think truth be known, if that this is going to come down as one of the biggest conspiracies of all time. Brett, we're out of time. And Dr. Judy Wood, thank you again for being on the program. And uh, keep up the battle, Judy, all right? Thank you so much. Dr.